0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Last Sunday on, on Palm Sunday, I... Uh, I began the service by just f- uh, remembering the, the reality that we are used to Holy Week. We, we know the story of Good Friday and Easter, and it's easy for us to rush to Sunday, to get to Easter Sunday quickly and say, yeah, yeah, Jesus died, but now he's alive. And that reality was uh, driven home to me this week with my kids. So my, my kids are church kids. They, they go to Sunday school. Tommy, our four-year-old, he's in King's Kids. We read Bible stories at bedtime. They listen to worship music. So they know the story of Easter really well. They understand Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And this week, Tommy uh, at King's Kids was, was looking at Holy Week, and he said to me, um, he, t- he talked to me about how Jesus had died on the cross. And I said, oh, buddy, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, why did Jesus die? To save us from our sins, he said. I said, oh, that's, that's good. That's sad that Jesus died, though, right? And, and he stayed dead, right, Tommy? No, no, Jesus rose again. Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, that's right, buddy. He really did. And that's, that's good. I want my kids to know that. I want that to be fundamental to them. I, I hope that my kids grow up and say, I never knew a time I don't remember not knowing Jesus. I don't remember not knowing what Jesus has done for me. But the danger of that is it can become overly familiar and just not that big a deal. Yeah, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. So this morning we're going to look at the story of the resurrection and I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of these two women, Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary, and think about how this would have felt for them that they didn't take it for granted that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. So let's, let's look at this from their perspective. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath... And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Verse 1, Jesus' death devastated his followers. They were crushed that Jesus had died. After the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Jesus, we know about his disciples, the the men that followed him, his twelve. But there were also women who followed Jesus in his ministry. And there were a lot of Marys, including these two, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. We're introduced to Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 8. Luke tells us that in Jesus' ministry, afterward he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. There were women who traveled with Jesus just like the twelve disciples. And one of these women was Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene had been set free from demon oppression by Jesus. Jesus had cast seven demons out from Mary and Mary and these other women were they were women of some means. They were women who had money and they were able to provide for Jesus and the disciples. They they uh, helped financially with Jesus's needs. These were women who traveled with Jesus, and these women were not only with Jesus during his ministry; they were there for his crucifixion and burial. Matthew 27, after Jesus has died, Matthew tells us, there were also women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. These women traveled with Jesus. They were there and witnessed Jesus' crucifixion, and they were there and watched as Joseph placed Jesus' body in the tomb. They watched him die, and they saw him as he was buried. These women had been deeply changed by Jesus. They had witnessed his miracles. They had heard his teaching. Mary Magdalene had had these demons cast out of her. They were transformed by Jesus. And now he was dead. In Luke 24, when Jesus is walking with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You remember that story? Jesus disguises himself. He conceals his true identity from these two disciples. And they're walking, and the two disciples are talking to Jesus about Jesus because they don't know who he is. And one of the disciples, Luke 24, 21, says, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. This is, this is what these women and, and these disciples Thought. They hoped that Jesus was going to be the one, the Christ, the Messiah, the one that was going to save them. But instead, he was killed. Psalm 89.45 says, You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. That's how they felt after Good Friday. Jesus was cut short and killed And now he's gone. Ever since Adam and Eve ate the fruit in Genesis 3, death has loomed over humanity. It has hung there and it has had the final say. Whatever good people accomplish in their life, however much promise their life held, death eventually closed the door. Even the greatest men and women die. And with their death, their ability to lead and influence others goes. They can leave a legacy, but they're done. They are off the stage. Death happens on the world stage with these these great leaders, but it, it also happens here at home. It also comes to us. Those that we love die and a hole is left in our lives. These, these lilies are here. Every Easter, we, we put out lilies in memory of those who we love, who have gone before us. We all have people that we miss. My, my grandfather was a pastor, and he died a few months before I started seminary. He knew that I wanted to be a pastor, and he was excited about that, but he passed away before I became a pastor. And I, I still think about him often, and I think, I wish that he were still here so that he and I could talk about what it's like to be a pastor, so that we could kind of compare notes in ministry. But he, he's gone. That's how it works. According to the natural order of things, death has the final say. It's the end of the story. When someone dies, you don't say, And then what did they do? It's over. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were not excited when they woke up on the first Easter. They did not go to the tomb that morning because they thought that Jesus would rise from the dead, even though he said he would. Mark chapter 16, we see why these women went to the grave. It says that when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. They went to the grave to mourn. They went to prepare Jesus' body for burial. Going to the tomb on that first Easter Sunday for these women was part of the grieving process. This was step one in absorbing the death of their teacher. They saw him die. They saw him buried. They understood how things work. Jesus is gone, and now we are left to pick up the pieces. That was their mindset that first Easter Sunday. But events at the tomb that morning did not go as these two women expected. Jesus was dead, but Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. Verse 2. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They go to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body, and instead, an earthquake, an angel who's dazzlingly white, and these guards that are dumbfounded and acting like dead men the chief priests had heard that there was this rumor that Jesus would rise from the dead. Of course, they didn't believe it, but they said, we need to guard the tomb so that Jesus' disciples don't come and steal the body and pretend that Jesus is alive. So they send a group of soldiers to guard the tomb. But this angel comes, and these these battle-tested Trained soldiers collapse. They, they're terrified. And this angel comes, this earthquake, uh, the stone is rolled away. That's what, the, that's what the women encounter. Again, put yourself in the shoes of these women. They are grief-stricken. Their nerves are frayed. They have been through this awful experience on Good Friday They themselves are afraid of further persecution. They killed Jesus. What are they going to do to us? They're overwhelmed. And so this happens. They would have been confused, terrified. What in the world is is going on? And the first words out of the angel's mouth, verse 5, do not be afraid. If you've read the Gospels, you recognize that line. That's what the angels said to Mary and to Joseph before Jesus' birth. The angel shows up, tells Mary she's going to have a baby, and tells Mary, Mary, do not be afraid. This is kindness from the Lord. This is good news that God has for his people. And so this, this angel, he's being tender and compassionate toward these two women. It's okay. Don't be afraid. I'm here, but it's a good thing. He calms them down. And then verse 5, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. The angel affirms what has happened. The angel acknowledges, you're here to see Jesus who was killed. He was. He was dead. You saw him die. You saw him buried. You've come to the tomb to see his body. I know why you're here. Jesus really did die. The worst thing that could have happened to Jesus happened to Jesus. You're right. You seek Jesus who was crucified. But the most important sentence in the Bible comes next. The words that change everything forever. Verse 6 He is not here, for he has risen. Every other piece of good news in the Bible is based on that good news. There is no good news without that sentence. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, there is no good news. That's it. Every promise in scripture is guaranteed by that sentence. He is not here for he has risen. And we're going to come back to those promises in just a minute. Jesus died Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. The angel tells the women, come, see the place where he lay. Those of us who grew up on reading Rainbow, don't take my word for it. It's in the book, right? The angel says, don't take my word for it. Jesus is alive, but don't take my word for it. Go look for yourself. Go look in the tomb. He's not here anymore. I've already rolled back the stone for you. The door's open. Go have a look. Just a little side note. It seems here that when the angel appeared and rolled back the stone, Jesus was already alive. Jesus was already out of the tomb. A closed door A sealed tomb means nothing to the risen Savior. And we see that in in John 20, when Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection. The disciples are hiding up in a room with the door locked, and Jesus walks in doesn't matter that the door is locked. There he is. Jesus is not subject to normal reality like we are. He can come out. So Jesus has already risen, but the angel rolls back the stone so that the women can see for themselves. And again, in, in verse 6, the angel says, He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Jesus told them, that he would rise from the dead. Jesus rising from the dead on Sunday after being buried on Friday was not an accident. It wasn't something that happened to Jesus without his involvement. That's different from, there are a couple other resurrections in scripture, right? Jesus himself raised Lazarus from the dead in in John 11. And it was a very different experience for Lazarus. Put yourself in Lazarus's shoes. You're dead. You've been dead for four days. You're in the tomb. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. I bet that was weird for Lazarus. All of a sudden, he's alive again. And he comes out. And we're told that his, he's still wrapped up. He's still wearing the, the grave clothes I bet bet Lazarus was thinking, what is happening? This is strange. Lazarus had nothing to do with his resurrection. That wasn't true of Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. He raised himself to new life. He was not surprised on Easter Sunday. He knew what was going to happen. It went exactly like, it said it, like he said it would. There are multiple times in the Gospels where Jesus predicts to his disciples. He says, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be buried, and then I'm going to rise from the dead. He, he tells his disciples that more than once. In, in John 10:18, he explains the core truth behind those predictions. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this charge I have received from my Father. Jesus says, I'm in control. I have the authority to lay down my life, and I have the authority to pick my life back up. Good Friday is, happened exactly the way Jesus wanted it to happen. He was the one that was in control on Good Friday when he died. And he was the one that was in control on Easter Sunday when he rose to new life. He died when and where and how he wanted to. And he rose from the dead when and where and how he wanted to because he's God because he does what he wants. Why does it matter that Jesus died? Because death is that final enemy. These, these women understood that. Jesus is dead. He's gone. It's, it's over. Death has always rendered everything else ultimately irrelevant. Death gets the final say. And then Jesus dies. But death couldn't hold him. Death did not get the final word with Jesus. Jesus demonstrated his invincibility and trustworthiness when he rose from the dead. Jesus conquered the final enemy. Because Jesus died and is now alive, we can know there is nothing that Jesus cannot handle. There is no experience that will overwhelm Jesus. There's nothing that can threaten Jesus. With Jesus, there is no yeah, but. Things are going pretty well for Jesus so far, but no, he's taken it. He has died. The final enemy has been defeated. Hebrews 7 The author describes Jesus as having the power of an indestructible life. Jesus has conquered. He wins. And because of that, every good thing that Jesus promises is made sure by his resurrection. When Jesus was born, the angel said, "'You will call his name Jesus.'" For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is able to save his people from their sins because he died and rose again. Scripture tells us that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. And we know that Jesus will never leave us because Jesus will never die. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through him. And we know that that's true because Jesus will never die. Jesus has conquered death, and so Jesus will always be the way and the truth and the life. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We can can trust that all things will ultimately work for our good because Jesus has died and rose again, and so he can guarantee that promise. Nothing can hinder Jesus from causing all things to work for good for us. Scripture tells us that Jesus is making all things new. And we can trust that he will finish that job of making all things new because he will never die, but will live forever. Jesus tells us, come all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus is able to give us rest because he has died and he has been raised to new life and will never die again and so we can rest in him. And Jesus tells us, In John 10, all who the Father gives me are mine and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. How do we know that no one will ever snatch us out of Jesus' hand? Because Jesus will never die again and he will hold us forever. None of those promises can be fulfilled unless Jesus dies and rises again and he has done that. And that brings us to our, our last point. Jesus being alive is not just good news. it's good news for us. The fact that Jesus overcame death and is alive, it's incredible. It's the most interesting, most amazing thing that has ever happened. But it's not just a thing that happened. It's something that happened that's good news for us. Imagine this imagine that you hear that a guy in Humboldt, some, some, somebody in Humboldt, found $100 billion. You'd think, wow, that's incredible. Right here in Humboldt? That's amazing news. But now imagine that you heard someone in Humboldt found $100 billion. And intends to give $10 million to every Humboldt resident. Now it's really good news, except for those of you who live outside of Humboldt. (laughs) It's not just good news; that it's not just interesting news that this guy found all this money. It's life-changing news for me because I get to benefit from it. That's the resurrection. It's not just, wow, Jesus rose from the dead. It's, Jesus rose from the dead, and it changes everything for me. Verse 8, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Jesus appeared to these women, and he greeted them. I'm alive. I've come back for you. And then verse 10, Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus has risen from the dead. He has personally conquered death. But is that automatically good news for his followers? Remember, the last time the disciples saw Jesus, they were deserting and denying him. When Jesus was arrested, the Gospels tell us they all fled. And then Peter is confronted. Hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Three times. Not me. I don't even know him. They had scattered. They had abandoned Jesus. They had failed him. And they had no reasonable expectation that Jesus would ha- want to have any further interest in them. They blew it. Kind of like we have. But Jesus is not done with his disciples. On on Easter, we should be as astounded by the miracle of the resurrection as we are by his grace and forgiveness. That Jesus rose from the dead is incredible. That he wants to extend grace and forgiveness to people like us is equally incredible. Jesus calls the disciples his brothers, the men who had abandoned him, the men who had denied him. He calls them his brothers and tells them to meet him in Galilee. He hasn't just risen from the dead. He has plans for his people. He forgives them. Jesus died to redeem his people. And at his resurrection, he restores us. This, this is Romans 5.8 in action. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died at the disciples' lowest point. At their greatest failure Christ died and then he rose to new life and he goes after his disciples and welcomes them as brothers restores and forgives them and he does the same for us Romans 6:23 the wages of sin is death death is the result of sin the final penalty For sin. As the sinless Son of God, Jesus was never under that penalty. Jesus was not personally indebted to sin. Jesus was not under the threat of death. Jesus did not deserve death. The wrath of God for sin did not apply to Jesus because he did not sin. And yet he took that penalty. He willingly went to the cross and gave himself up. He laid down his life. He submitted to the cruel death of Good Friday. He paid the penalty. And then he picked his life back up. He crushed death, which up until that point had been undefeated. And because he lives having passed through death and emerged on the other side victorious, he is now able to give that life to whoever he wants. How do we receive the benefit of Christ's resurrection? How do we make it so that Jesus calls us brothers and sisters? It's by faith. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you see what Jesus has done and you understand it, you say, yes, Jesus died the death that I deserved. And Jesus is alive. And Jesus stands ready to forgive. And I want that. I want to be forgiven. I want his death credited to my account. Jesus, Scripture tells us, then you'll be saved. To those who believe in Jesus, he gives them his resurrection power. The women went to the tomb that morning expecting to anoint Jesus' body for burial. And yet Jesus was alive. Jesus was not done, and that, that resurrection is good news. It's good news for us if we grab hold of this risen Savior by faith. We're going to close now with the song, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, and I want us to focus on this verse. Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death the God of life but no grave could ever restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope, Christ in power resurrected, as we will be when he comes. Let's pray. Father, Jesus paid the penalty. Jesus died he went to the cross and was ruined at the cross. But no grave could ever restrain Jesus. He is alive. He laid down his life and he picked it back up. And now he has the power of this unconquerable, unbeatable, invincible life. And he gives that life to everyone who believes in him. So help us to trust him, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's...